This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. We're studying the four cups that God gave the children of Israel as promises about their deliverance, okay? The four cups as he was bringing them out and their exodus out of Egypt, okay? And so as we're studying these, we realize these four cups are just as important for us. Now, three weeks ago, we began this series in Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 6. Exodus chapter 6. You know, as a young pastor, I would have never preached a series on the same verse over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, we, we did Romans 8 for like four or five months, but, but I've realized that, that sometimes it takes us some time to get the point. Some of you are like me. Come on now. I said, sometimes it takes us a little while to get the point. Come on. See, some of you still hadn't helped me there. I'm waiting on you to get the point. Come on now. Give me a big amen. amen. All right. Exodus chapter 6, verse number 6 begins... Like this says, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. We, we serve the true God. Amen? And here's his promises. The first cup comes like this. He says, I will free you from your oppression. And the first cup that we want to drink out of it was the cup of sanctification, okay? The cup of sanctification. This is the cup where God says, you belong to me. It's where he saves us and delivers us from the curse of sin upon our lives. And in the cup of sanctification, let me just clarify this. This cup is not the cup of perfection, not the cup that says you are righteous and holy. Okay, there's one good, and he makes us holy and makes us righteous, but it's not the cup that says you have to be perfect. This is the cup that says that you have been sanctified. And what sanctified simply means is that you have been set aside for a purpose. Okay, that you have been, whoo, and I wrote the name because that one's been set aside for the purpose of my illustration, and I, we wrote sanctification across it. Aren't you glad that God set you aside according to his purpose, and he wrote a new name, the Bible says, across you, that you could be used for his kingdom? That's exciting. That, that just blows my mind that God says, you once were used for something else, but now I'm going to set you aside for something else. God chose us, and he pulled us aside. And then we came to the second promise where I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. And that was the second week. Now, now I, I want to stop and point it out again. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery. Doesn't that kind of sound like the same thing? But then we realized that what God was saying is this. He said, I'm going to bring you out of what has bound you and set you aside unto myself. And then I'm going to, he said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. Then I'm going to get Egypt out of you. Because too many of us, we come to Christ, but yet we still live like we used to live. That we are supposed to not only be set aside unto God, we're supposed to be growing in the purposes of God. And what I've come to tell you is that my God can set you free in such a way that you don't have to live the way you used to live. That sanctification comes to the power of Christ and salvation, and it begins to change who you are as you drink from the cup of deliverance. God's delivering you, setting you free, that you don't have to remain bound, that you are free by the blood of Jesus Christ. But see, a lot of us just want to keep praying the prayer of salvation over and over again. But God says, no, 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 take a drink out of something called deliverance because I'm going to set you free and I'm going to make you more than you could ever have imagined. I feel it down in the core of my being. And he wants you to drink from the cup of deliverance. And then the third promise is this. The third promise is really, it comes up, he says, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Praise God. So our third cup is the cup of redemption. 
The fourth cut, which we'll get to next week, Lord willing, says, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you. Listen to what God's saying. He says, I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to redeem you. And when you get through the fourth cup, then you're going to be able to stand back and say, look what God has done because God truly has delivered me. That's where I want you to get. I don't want you to walk in here going, Lord, please don't let anybody read my mail. Have you ever been around one of those people that look into your soul and when I was a youth pastor, I don't know, but just because things are common unto all, all people, I used to be able to look in the eyes. The Bible says the eyes are the light of the soul. And my youth group was convinced that, that I could read their souls. If you just stare long enough, everybody gets there. Come on now. And I'd walk in and I'd kind of just look right in their eyes. And as I'd look in their eyes, I didn't have to know what was inside. But if they were doing this, something wrong was on the inside. Come on now, man. You know what? It's not that we're playing some game with people. But the truth is this, you don't have to come into God's house ashamed of what your weeks look like. You can come into God's house because you know God chose you, and even in your weakness, he's still delivering you, and he's redeeming you for a purpose. Now, I love that cup of redemption. Now, anybody who knows me knows I like long-term projects. I mean, I'm one of those guys, it's like, you know, we groomed a tree around here, just, just, just you know, in, in, in a little bit of an almost bonsai type of formation, but we, we groomed it for 20-something years. That thrills my soul. Some of you are thinking about a 20-something year project. Some of you get tired with a 10-piece puzzle. Come on now. <laughs> I'm the guy that wants the puzzle that might take you years to finish. I like the longevity of the project. I like redeeming things, too. I, I guess it comes from when I was a kid. Do you remember when they would have those little, uh, this is going to really date me, those green stamp books? How many of you remember the green stamp book? And we'd fill out the green stamp books, and we'd go in, and it just created something in me. And so then, then I discovered uh, a one soft drink points. And, man, you just enter those points, and, and, and you, they send you free stuff. I'm like, you know, I don't even know why I need one of these. It doesn't even fit, but it was free. And I love doing the point systems for free. Thing. And I love like reward systems because when you redeem the rewards, it, it blows. You know what I like most about it? I like watching the faces of the, the store clerks when I get it for free. I'm like, I'd like to redeem my point. The other day, I, I mean, I got the Mac Daddy of Mac Daddy redemption moments. Pastor Danny was with me, and I said, I've been doing that. I had saved my points for this, and I got there and thought, I don't really need that. And so I thought, well, I'll save for this. And then I got there, and somebody gave me one of those. And so I thought, well, I'll just get one of these. And I saved for like three years these redemption points, three years. And so I walk in, and when I say, hey, I'd like to see that, the man kind of looked at me like, can you even afford that? <laughs> and I thought, you're going to be really surprised in a minute. And so we get it down. I said, that's the one. I'll take that one right there. I've had my eye on it forever. And I said, I'll take that one right there. And you know, I go to the cash register and he looks at me and says, how would you like to pay for this? I said, with points? He looked at me as if to say, we'll see. The look on his face when the total went, and he said, looked up at me and he said, well played, sir, well played. <laughs> I love redeeming something because when you redeem that item, what you're doing, you, the, the word redeem simply, simply means where God said, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and, and a great acts of judgment. The word redeem simply means that you are buying something back and you're exchanging something. And I, I want to read you the, uh, the definition uh, in order that you buy back or to cash in the value of something 
in order to receive something else. It also means to win back, to free someone or something from what distresses or harms them, to liberate them from what captivity they're in by paying the ransom. Now, think about that for a moment. God says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem who you are. I'm going to buy you back. And how did God buy us back? And it's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus went and exchanged himself on the cross that you and I deserve to redeem us by his sacrificial gift to make us his own. And when he did that, he bought us back from the curse of sin and death. And, and you know what? That's one of my favorite things to see. And I'm not afraid of the long-term project. You know, some people are like, well, I told them the gospel and they didn't get saved. And I think, well, it took Jesus three times to tell this one guy named Nicodemus the gospel before he would get saved. So if it took Jesus three times, it might take us some more. Come on now. But you keep telling people the gospel. And I, I love it when you see them come to God's house and that first week they're here. And, and man, they're like, they're like holding on to the chair like they're on a roller coaster or something. Come on now. And it's altar time and you're going, I'm right, who wants to get saved? And they're like, not me, not me, not me. And I love watching over the next few weeks as, as they, their grip gets looser and looser. And then before long, whatever holds them back drops them and, and that hand shoots up and that, that hard face suddenly softens and the glory of God redeems their soul and sets them free. And I watch as all of a sudden the one who was afraid suddenly begins to worship God and tears streaming down their face. And I can't help but say, well played, God. Well played, God. You did it right. You won them, Jesus. Amen. You see, what we've got to understand is that God's working in our purpose. And the third cup is the cup of redemption. God's trying to bring us. He chose us and he set us free. He delivered us from all the things that are bound us. And then he says, I want to bring you to the place that you come to the cup of redemption. Now, what does that mean for us to drink from the cup of redemption? You see, redemption, it means that God is going to enable us to do what we're supposed to be doing. Let me tell you, God did not redeem the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt just to make them slaves in Israel. God didn't deliver them from one captivity to put them in another captivity. God delivered them and redeemed them so they could take the pain and bondage that had bound them and all of a sudden turn it into something that made them stronger and made them the warriors that God had called them to be. Can I tell you today that God didn't redeem you so you can act like you just barely snuck in God's house by somebody's mistake, but God redeemed you so you could take a big drink of, of joy and peace and know that God's purpose is in I, can, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm talking. God's purpose purposes in you, and you don't have to sneak in here, but you can walk boldly before the throne of grace crying out, God, you are my father. You're my daddy, God. Come on now, as he's chosen you and loves you. Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Because we've got to begin to learn to live in our purpose that God created us for. See, God didn't create the children of Israel for Egypt. He created them for the promised land. He didn't create them to dig in Pharaoh's uh, mud pits making bricks. God created them to walk in promise and potential and purpose. And I tell you today that God has a place of promise for us. He created us with a specific purpose in, in mind from the very foundation of the world. Ephesians 2.10 speaks of this. For we are God's handiwork. Another version says workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork, God's workmanship.
created before, even from the very beginning, for a purpose. Now, I've got to translate this for you. Let's put this in a literary term. The word here for handiwork or workmanship is poema. This is the word from which we get poem or poetry. So you literally could write this, that you are God's poem. And if you know anything about poetry, you understand that it has to be written to a certain cadence or a certain beat or to a certain order. It's you know, iambic or pentamic. Or you, you understand that it's written in a certain order for a certain reason to bring a certain effect into those who experience it. Can I tell you that God created your life in such a way and put a purpose down inside of you that when you are moving on God's purpose and in God's time, that you will bring an effect in this generation. But most of us don't sound more like a poem, we sound like other literary avenues, like drama, comedy, tragedy, which starts really funny and ends really bad. God didn't call you to have this dramatic life. He called you to flow in an order of balance. And he called you for a reason. He chose you. He designed you. He gave you a purpose. Now look, to drink from the cup of redemption, we're going to have to look at what he said he would do. He said it this way. He said, I will redeem you, watch this, with an outstretched arm. Okay, I want you to get this. I will redeem you, and I'm about to give you a a verse in just a moment that may be my favorite verse I've discovered in probably two years, okay? I've read it in the English Standard Version, and and it, it is just rocking my world. But he said this. He said, I will deliver you with an outstretched, watch this, outstretched arm. Why would God have to deliver us with an outstretched arm? It's because of how low we have fallen. God says, I'll find you, watch this, right where you are, right who you are. Most of us want to climb to a certain height and say, okay, God, I'm finally ready. And God says, no, 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 I'm not waiting on you. I am just listening for your cry. I'm looking for the intent of your heart. And God's hand is, watch this, is outstretched. I love the way the psalmist says in the 18th chapter in the 31st, uh, 35th verse. This is what he says. He says, you stoop down to make me great. Maybe that doesn't do for you what it does for me. But I about shouted all over my office when I read that. I went, "Woo." What that implies, that the God who is above, he loves me enough to stoop. And when he stoops, that means he comes to where I am. Am I making sense to anybody? He comes to right where I am and meets me right where I am, finds me right where I am, and he reaches down in whatever pit that I am in to deliver me. Can I tell you? He will even reach down to the pit that I dug myself. And he reaches down to the low of lows. And some of you are going, Pastor, I knew better than falling here. Don't you understand that the God of heaven still stooping whether or not you knew better or not? And he's reaching down to deliver you. And he will reach through every problem and every struggle and pull you out. Come on now. See, here's what most of us think, that God had to reach all the way down because I went back in my sin and he reached all the way down there and he got me and he, oh, I should have known better than you. And he took me and he placed me somewhere over here out in the middle of nowhere and left me and I'm not part of his purpose anymore. And God, God said, well, you're just lucky I redeemed you, bugger. 
Come on now. You're just lucky I pulled you out. You just stay over there on the back burner a little while. But that's not what the verse says. It says God reached down and he blood dusted us off and he cleaned us off to make us great, to put us in purpose, to put us where God's called us to be. Pastor Don, I don't want to be great. Well, sorry. I had to nicen that up. Come on now. <laughs> sorry. Because God called you to be a reflection of himself in this world. And he is great. And Pastor Don, there's nothing great in me. That's because you're still down here. When he picks you up, God sees greatness in his people. He looks inside of you, and he sees beyond what you can even see. And he wants to deliver you. Isn't that amazing that God redeems us by his outstretched arm? Now, most of us, though, the problem is the next part of the verse. We know God delivers us, but that's just not fair because I've had to drink from this cup too many times. I've drank from this cup so many times, I'm not really sure if I ever drank from this cup. I'm preaching truth, but here's the problem. I deserve punishment because I knew better. He stoops to where I knew better to go and lifts me up. And then, okay, now it's making sense. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Okay, finally. Whew, he's going to redeem me by, by letting me earn his forgiveness. You've never been there? I don't know how many times I've been there. I've been like, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. I should have known better. I went back and did that stupid thing again. I went where you told me not to go again. I did what you told me not to do. God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I remember one day God said to me, he said, stop. He said, don't you ask me again. If you don't believe it when you ask it, don't ask it again. See, most of us feel like we've got to get some sickness or some pain or we've got to be, our world's got to explode because We've got to be judged. But see, see, you're missing the point of redemption. Jesus took the judgment. But when we read this passage, we say, okay, he's going to deliver me by mighty judgments. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Go ahead. I, just don't let it be too bad, God. We're sort of like David. God said, do you want this to happen, this to happen, or this to happen? And David was smart enough to say, whatever you think. But God's speaking to who in Exodus 6? Slaves in Egypt. He says, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to get Egypt out of you. And then, watch this, I'm going to deliver you by my mighty stretched out arm and with mighty acts of what? Did he judge the children of Israel in Egypt? No, he poured out his judgment on Egypt. Are you with me? He poured out his judgment on those that were trying to keep them bound. God said, watch this, he said, I will deliver you. I'm going to reach where you are and pick you up, and I don't care what demons in hell try to rise up against you because I am greater, and I am stronger, and I will pour out my judgment on every attack of the devil, and I will pour out my judgment on everything that comes against you. That's not just spiritual. It's not just emotional. Sometimes it's physical. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says it this way, For we wanted to come to you certainly... I, Paul, did again and again. Watch this. But Satan blocked our way. I want you to get this. Satan blocked our way. The word blocked there could literally be translated that he dug a ditch across the road. Okay? Now, that may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to me having traveled internationally a lot. 
If you ever travel internationally, matter of fact, if you're on a mission trip and they put you in the front seat, they're trying to see if you're saved or not. <laughs> I'm telling you. Because if you ever travel internationally, that, you'll be going through a road. Let's just use Haiti, for example. You're going down a road in Haiti and you're going 90 miles an hour over potholes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, coming right at you at 120 miles an hour is the largest Mack dump truck you've ever seen. Come on now. It's, it's barreling down on you. You're going forward, and, you're, and the driver's not even watching. They're looking at you going, did you have a good flight? <laughs> and you're going, up, 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 up. And I'm telling you, I have worn a hole in the, in the brake pad that's not even there. Come on now. But you put that person, you're not even sure if they're saved or not on the trip, they're going to know Jesus before you get where you're going. Come on now. And all of a sudden, they'll turn and just act like nothing happened. But what I've learned in those countries as well, is that in the middle of nowhere, where you can't turn around, they'll dig a ditch across the road. Now normally, here's what happens. They'll dig a ditch across the road, and then they'll lay boards across that ditch. And they'll charge you to drive across the boards that are over the hole that they dug so that they can make you think they saved you from falling in the hole they dug. It's true. But ever so often when you arrive, in the middle of the night, there are no boards. And when you arrive at those ditches in the road and there are no boards, the people driving you always get really nervous because they understand that's what robbers do. They dig a ditch in the road where there's nowhere to go, and then they have you. Can I tell you, that's the way the enemy works. He leads you down a road that you don't see a way out of. And then suddenly he digs a ditch across the road. You can't go back, you can't go forward, and you'll spend everything you have just trying to stay alive there. But that's where I remember a God who said, my hand is not shortened that I cannot deliver you. That's where I remember a God who said, I will reach down. If he can reach down into the pit of despair, he can reach down to whatever dead inroads you're on and move you to a safe place. What you have to understand is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, sometimes you're going to fight battles. We are pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because we've drank from the cup of redemption and God's not done with me yet. Would you just say that right now with me? God's not done with me yet. Because we find later in that same chapter in verse number 17, he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God's working in us. Second Peter says it this way. Watch. He said, instead of living your life just going from crisis to crisis, for this reason, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to your knowledge self-control. We were okay with getting smarter and being good, but now we've got to behave. And to your self-control, perseverance, patience. And to your perseverance, godliness. And to your godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. Watch this. For if you possess these qualities, God says, I want to do something in you that will help you live on purpose. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's where most of us live, ineffective and unproductive, because we've never stepped into the kingdom purpose for which God created us to. But for whoever does not have them and is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins, listen to me carefully, listen, listen, if you're not living for purpose with God, you're living in pain. And God's called you to live on purpose. Now, you say, Pastor, I want to do what God's called me to do. I don't want to live a slave. I want to live free. How do I drink from the cup of redemption? Let me just tell you this. You saw, well, let me say, I was sitting in my office this morning, and I heard them warming up as they were preparing to sing, and Johnny hit a note, and the moment he hit that note, I just stopped. I stopped what I was doing. I actually, I was sitting there with my noise cancellation headphones on because I was trying to focus on this message, and, 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 and everything was, would sound like a, a, a zoo in here. And, I was just, and all of a sudden, I stopped. I took them off. And I said, oh, God. Because no matter how I try to sing, I don't have the design that he has. And when he sings, he's walking in purpose. Can I tell you, these young men who danced, that was awesome. If I had, co- I, was, I mean, I was caught up in the moment. I thought, I want to I bust a move with them. <laughs> I want you to know there would have been nothing righteous about that at that moment. <laughs> I won't tell them myself. Last night I had Jonah in my arms, and I'm standing with Jonah in my arms. There was something on TV. And I, I mean, I was, I, was, I was standing dead center in my living room, and I was breaking it down with Jonah in my arms. I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I'd be ashamed to show you how I was dancing dead center in my living room. And I'm surrounded by my family, and not one member of them saw me other than little Jonah who was in my arms. Not one of them saw me because they were on their phones. Come on now. And I was busting it down, but that is not my purpose. So you see, your design reveals your destiny. I want you to get that. Your design will reveal your destiny. God created you with a purpose, and it may not be my purpose. It's God's purpose for you. The thing is, you're just going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to stop just going from sin to sin, or are you going to start looking for the purpose of God? Now, I'm going to close with this today. You go, Pastor Don, I want to live on purpose, but I don't know. I feel like I sidelined myself. Can I ask you, do you feel like God is omnipotent? Let me explain that to you. Omnipotent is God is all-powerful. So let me say, can God do whatever he wants to do? Come on now. Amen. So God is omnipotent. If we want to take, God, is, God is, is omnipotent. We have to understand that omnipotent, we also find the word potential there, which means that God has the potential to do whatever he wants to do because all potential is in him. He is omnipotent. All right, watch this. If God is omnipotent and all potential is within him, then God takes his potential and puts it inside of us. God's potential is inside of you. You're just going to have to make up your mind. If you're tired of being in the pit you're in, are you tired of being put on the back burner? Are you ready to drink from the cup of redemption to say, God, I'm ready to live up to what you created me for? I'm ready to become what you created me to be. Some of you go, but I don't, I don't know if I can do what you do, Pastor. You don't have to do what I do. You need to do what you do. And do it for the glory of God. Some of you have talents that, that I could never. I, I, I bought a piece of furniture to, re, to remodel, I don't know, 27 years ago. It's still not done. Some of you might take you 
two hours. You have your gifts. I have mine. I always say it this way, and I know this is silly. Stand with me, and I'll, I'll conclude with this. We've got to get done. But It's like my dad was a preacher and a construction guy, and, and when we were little, there were only two sons, and, and so he took Scott and I to the job site. I remember he was building a church. He took us to the job site, and, and I, I can imagine. He's like, y'all do this. Boys, you go over there and pick up this, and you go do this. And He may have never said this, but it, but it felt like he said this. I remember you know, as we're on the job site, so he has two jobs, preacher and construction, and we're on the construction side of it, and, he, and Scott became highly successful in that, but he looks at me, and my dad says, son, you better preach. <laughs> no potential. It wasn't in my design. I'm not asking you to be somebody you're not. I'm just asking you to be who you are for Christ. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.